Up next on Inside the SCCA, Track Night in America. My guest on this episode of Inside the SECA is the manager of the program that, for many, is their first introduction to the Sports Car Club of America. Justin Barbary has been a coach at track night events. He's a coach for time trials, a multi-time trophy winner at the Tire Rack Solo Nationals. He scored a top five road racing finish at the runoffs. And away from the track, he has uh, gotten his leadership and organizational skills from being a 911 dispatcher in North Carolina. Justin, welcome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. So you were the guy on the other side of the microphone when I was an EMT. It could possibly have happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, no one is better at, at, uh, at, at getting things organized and done than dispatchers. Um, I get that completely. So we, uh, we like most public safety officials find ways to work under pressure mm -hmm. that, uh, just seem easy sometimes and there's no pressure when you're running race events right <laughs> no. No. Anyway. motorsports events never present any pressure no, or, or issues no. at all not at all not at all so welcome thanks for being here um and and now i saw a little bio that i stole all that info from a year ago when you were named the interim head of track night are you still the interim or are you now the guy well, I think we can probably say that I am the guy. I don't think the title has quite been updated on the okay. SCCA page. I might have to uh, well, that get may on somebody be a, about that. That but, may have yes. been an older – it was a press release from when you were first named interim, and I didn't right. take the time yes. to go look any deeper. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how this club works, by the way, is a lot of times the interim is just hangs out there forever, and you're, st you're just the person doing the job. So um, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So tell me how you – because all of us have a story – and anybody who's listened to more than like one of the podcasts knows that I like to start with the story. So what's your story? How did you get involved with motorsports? Well, as, as all things, there's a lot of details that uh, we probably don't have time for. Um, I think the best place to start is that in the late 90s, as I was doing my best to flunk out of college, uh, I started working for a motorcycle dealership. Oh. And kind of got into that motorcycle world and then doing track days with motorcycles and that sort of stuff. Um, and did that for a couple of years and then realized that at the pace that I was going, I wasn't going to survive in good shape for very long in that environment. Um, so in the early 2000s, I started playing around with cars mm -hmm. and uh, the rest is history. I like to tell people that uh, I haven't fallen off my car yet, which right. is a really good sign, which was not the case when I was with motorcycles. So um, my body thanks me for the transition. Yeah, I bet. I bet. It's like when people ask me, I'm from Wisconsin, why I moved to California. I tell them because I don't have to shovel sunshine. <laughs> so right. uh, it's, you know, everybody has their reasons for doing what they're doing. So what was your first car that you played with? So the first ever new car that I bought that actually ended up becoming uh, a car that I autocrossed was when the Mazda Protégé 5s first came out. Um, I thought they looked really cool, but I liked the four doors and hatchback style. So it was kind of still utilitarian. I could put a hitch on it and pull a motorcycle trailer around if I needed to. Um, found a, uh, a local friend who was doing some autocrossing in a turbo Miata mm -hmm. and was actually, uh, you know, one of the, in the leadership role for one of the local independent autocross clubs. And he said, why don't you bring that thing out and, uh, 
see if you can take it around this autocross course once. And uh, after the first run, I knew that was what I was going to do for the foreseeable future. So it exactly. took 60 seconds on an, behind a wheel of, at an autocross course, and I was hooked. And and that's the story for most club members, many club members uh, my age, mm. um, because back in the day, we didn't have track night in America. And the easiest, least expensive way to, you know, kind of – play with cars and i actually think it still is um because i last i checked the the price to get into a track night so what 100 usually 150 160 what is the cost i think we average around 160 165 yeah. Yeah. you know and most solos events your local events you can get into for under 100 bucks and oh, sometimes easy, yeah. it's a lot under 100 bucks depending on whether you're a member and all that kind of stuff so uh, i really do think the um getting involved in solo is less expensive than getting involved in track days. Now, if you want to be competitive in solo, because we actually time ourselves and there's trophies at the end, you can spend a buttload of money (laughs) racing solo. You can Um, be as competitive as you want to be, or you can have as much fun as you want to have. You just pick your road and And do what you can afford to do. For some people it's one is expensive. And for some people, the other is not. So, um, so, so from there, you ended up, I see you've got a couple of uh, solo nationals and that you've done really well in. And then you've also gone to the runoffs. What did you race at the runoffs? Uh, we ran in B-Spec in 2019 okay. at uh, Virginia National Raceway, which is basically my home track. I sure. live kind of in the middle of several tracks, yep. but that's the one that I visit the most. So, um, And had a really great time at the runoffs. Cool. So that was a fun year. Cool. Yeah, I... Uh... I lived in Charlottesville for a while, so VIR and Summit Point were my two points to go to when I was living there, and and uh, got to both of those tracks a lot when I was there for the time I was there. So uh, VIR is great, you know, and I was there for the first event when they reopened it. Oh, that would be amazing. And yeah. uh, I, I wasn't competing. I think, I don't know if I was there as a journalist or I was there as a flagger. Or maybe I was there as both, probably. Mm. That would be a better idea. Uh, but anyway, so I was there for the re- reopening of VIR. And uh, and I didn't know really any of the history because I'm not old enough to remember VIR before it closed down. Uh, but I'm real happy it came back. So um, it was pretty pretty awesome to be there for that. But so, so now you have gotten yourself to messed up with the national. I mean, now you're part of the national <laughs> office. And, uh, I, uh, and so how did that whole thing come about? Um, some of it through autocross connections. I've okay. been doing the, you know, the solo national tours and solo nationals for probably about a decade. Um, you know, we're close to a decade at the time and had become, you know, very good acquaintances with, uh, John Krolowitz and Hayward Wagner and, you know, several people that were very much at the ground level of creating the track night program. Sure. Um, you know, several years ago and just got a call one day from uh, John Krolowitz and said, Hey, would you be interested in coming down to uh, Atlanta Motorsports Park and helping me coach mm-hmm. an event? And uh, kind of the rest is history at that point. Uh, luckily, you know, you said mentioned uh, being a 911 dispatcher, the schedule that I worked left me with uh, some, some availability during the middle of the week right. and track night events are typically on weekdays. So it was uh, pretty easy for me to find the time off to go down there and see what all this was about. Nice. Nice. 
So a couple of things I want to accomplish here, and and because you know we go through all the programs, and I think there's two discussions to be had here f- about track night. One is if you're a newbie wanting to go to a track night, what do you do? How do you make it happen? And we'll talk about that. Um, but there's also the idea of for for club members who've been longtime members to understand a little bit about what happens, the concept behind it. Um, and kind of the, there's a couple of myths out there that are probably worth worth going into, and you can either debunk them or make t- tell me they're right or not. But um, and 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 Hayward and I have talked about this a little bit as well on an earlier podcast, but we'll dig it into a little bit more. So let's do the first part about kind of like what the track night is and why we do it. Um, so so let's just start right from the beginning for those who might have never att- attended an event. What is what's a track night in America? Well, I think the easiest way to explain it is uh, we are a afternoon into evening, uh, sort of half day, come to the track, enjoy your car on a track program. Uh, very low stress. We try to make it as easy and accessible and affordable as possible. Anybody with uh, a driver's license, a car that can pass some basic safety uh, stuff and a helmet can come out and drive their car on a track. That's that's really the core of it is is that we operate at a very condensed amount of time, which is excellent for people who have other priorities during the day and, you know, maybe can't commit to a full day or even, you know, with some of the program, other programs, a full weekend is what they would have to commit to right. to to do something like this. We offer it up in a nice, tidy little package um, then come out, dip their toes in the water, so to speak, see if they enjoy it, if they do. We hope to get them back for multiple events and uh, possibly move them on, uh, you know, into other programs that the SCCA offers for driving on track. So, for those who've been around the car performance driving world for a while, I, I kind of tell people it's like an HPDE light. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's not a full day or a full weekend. Um, you, 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 there's very, you know, there's a lot of of it's a friendly event. You know, I, I went to one a year or two ago. I helped out at one at Auto Club Speedway. And I just was very impressed with how laid back everything was. You know, <laughs> registration was literally, it was. It felt a lot like an autocross. You know, it was a table in the parking lot. Uh, there were maybe 100 cars that showed up. And it was on a Saturday because we do things weird on the West Coast. We're, we're the West Coast. We don't do anything normal. But, uh, and and it was very laid back. Lots of different uh uh, demographics of of people who were showing up, which I found to be awesome because uh, our club has is is primarily white <laughs> in many many cases, and uh, we had people of all different demographics show off show up, which was fantastic, and and I thought that was great. Everyone felt welcome. There were some really awesome cars there, and there were a couple of you know bone stock Honda Civics and and. One guy showed up with a Volvo station wagon, and he was the coolest guy to watch on the racetrack. Um, and so it was very kind of laid back and cool about it. Um, and and one of the questions I get a lot from club members, longtime club members, is why? Why do we need track like in America? Um, I want to get your take on it and see what your thoughts are. Why do we need this? I, I think the, uh, the way to approach that is for most of the SCCA – and I was a, you know, very much in this world, uh, being hyper competitive in autocross and doing some road racing, going to the runoffs is that there almost needs to be an extra C in the acronym. It's the sports car competition club mm-hmm. of America. 
Um, and that's how a lot of people have found the club and how a lot of people experience the club. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I enjoyed every moment that, you know, I'm competing wheel to wheel or, you know, on the clock at, at an event. Um, but there's this other population of car enthusiasts out there who, you know, they're not in that competition environment. They just like to, for lack of the, of wearing the term out, having fun with their cars. And, uh, I think that's really what track night tapped into is that there are enthusiasts, car enthusiasts out there that we're not finding a home in SCCA and we've been able to bring them into our family and give them a place to just play with their car. Right. Right. I mean, even the solo event can be intimidating if you, if you're not going with someone who is a solo person, you know, if you don't have a mentor to kind of hang out with or um, so, and there's none of that at a track night of America. There's nothing intimidating about a track night in America event. Uh, And I love that. The other thing we talk, I hear people say to me uh, often is, well, wh- why aren't we getting these Track Night in America people to come work our, our road racing events? <laughs> you know, how are we, why are we not converting Track Night people into larger, um, not larger, but, you know, getting them into other parts of the club? Because it does seem to me like, that doesn't happen very often. And maybe you know better than I do. Maybe there's better statistics that I just don't know about. Um, but I only have heard of a, a handful of people who have been to a track night event who have then showed up at a racetrack saying, I want to be you know, a corner worker or anything at all. And, or even people who've come to race who said, oh, we started with track night in America. Do you have any, yeah. any idea what that kind of conversion rate is? Yeah, so two-part question there. Um, I think when it comes to pulling volunteers for other track events out of the track night participation. It does happen from time to time. Um, I have asked specifically at track nights that I've been working at that were kind of butted up against the road race weekend. Hey, would anybody like to hang out the track for the rest of the weekend and help us, you know, flag or do whatever. And we've gotten some takers for that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think it stems back to just the um, environment of, you know, people that come to track night for the majority of them, this is how they, experience the, the motorsports world. It's just them and their car on the track and they don't expand out any farther, any farther than that. Um, the other question about, um, you know, how we can maybe pivot and do something more with that has really been one of our main focuses for this season. Um, after I took over was getting the regions more involved um, from a regional leadership level um, and their volunteers to come out and be involved in the track night events that are local to their to their areas. Because, you know, really what we're trying to do, if we're asking for people to come from track night participant into a volunteer role for other organ, other events that the SCCA puts on, those are regional events. And it really helps to put names to faces, to have that, that connection with the people that are in the region and running the region and running those events um, and creating that relationship right there. So that's one of the things we're really working on and don't have the data yet. We're hoping to see, um, you know, some fruit from that, but uh, we're working on it. Thank you for blasting the door wide open for the rant you're about to hear. And I'm not (laughs) going to rant at you. I'm going to rant at all of the people who've asked me the question, why aren't the track night people coming to help us out at the racetrack? My response is always, has the region ever gone to a track night? 
Have, you, have, have region members ever gone to a track night either to participate or just to walk around and talk to the people there and say, hey, if you're having fun here, we do this thing called solo and we do this thing called road racing. And if you'd like to be involved, you can do that and shake hands and put it exactly what you're saying. And the answer is almost always no. You know, the regions, I get the impression um, are often in a position where that's a national thing. They come and do their thing and they've got their way of doing their thing and, and we don't go to it. And I'm like, why not? Or if nothing else, give the track night people a hundred flyers to give to the people as they come in with information on how to find your website and who to call if they want to get involved. And, and, and when I went to the local track night, that wasn't there for my region. Um, and I'm not just pointing on my region. I'm going to guess that's the case for a lot of regions, right? It's, it's, yes, I would, I would agree with that. We do do a little bit in our drivers meetings to try and, and talk about the local region. And, you know, hopefully we've got somebody that is there as a representative for the local region that, you know, that happens sometimes. And there are places where the region leadership is actually, you know, helping us put on as part of our staff, the local track night events. So there, there's, is some of that going on. Um, but we can always use more of it. Like you right. said, just walking around paddock, talking to people, you know, people want you to be interested in what they're doing, not just directly pushing them to something that you're interested in. Right. So I would recommend that if, you know, if regions do want to come out and participate, just come out and treat it like it's cars and coffee, treat it as right. just a, I'm coming out to hang out in paddock and talk about cool cars or cool things that I see. Um, that's how you get those, the track night participants interested in maybe doing other things. You have to be, you have to be invested in what they're doing and hopefully they will find some investment in what you're doing later on. And, and I get it, you know, as a volunteer myself, we, we've, our volunteer numbers are dwindling, which means we're all doing more than we ever did. And, and we have limited time as well. So spending another night at the racetrack for this type of thing might not be highest on your list of priorities of things to do. So I understand, you know, regions are really strapped for volunteers. It's, yep. it's, it's even more so now that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. So yeah. and I would, I would always, you know, ask, you know, we, exactly what you said we can't you know expect to have people have the availability for time you know oh the track night is on the perfect night for them to get away from their family or their work or whatever and come out and spend time with us but if you can get me a copy of your schedule coming up or what you need or right. just just get some information to us we can do a little bit of the legwork for you when we're talking in our drivers meetings yep. and that sort of stuff we're here to help the regions in any way we can the regions are the lifeblood of the SCCA and we're not here to pull participants away from them. We're here to try and funnel more participation to them. So anything that they can do to, to help us get that information to the right people and send them to the right places is beneficial. Yeah. And I always tell, you know, drivers who've got crew members, reward your crew members and buy them a track night night, you know, give them a, a you know, there's ways to do that. And, uh, what a great way to say thank you to the guys and gals who come out and help you on Saturdays and Sundays. Say, hey, you know, take your out car and go have some fun. And they're going to tell other people what they do on other weekends. It's just it's a it's a big circular, you know, circular thing. Yep. Um, so, all right. I think we've gotten the, the, all of the track night myths out of the way. Um, uh, let's do this. Let's head to break real quick. Uh, <laughs> when we come back, I want to switch gears and talk about, you know, I'm going to play newbie. You know, I've never been to a track night. I don't know what's going on. And you're going to walk me through the process of getting my car on the racetrack. All right. Let's do that. When we come back, you are listening to Inside the SCCA on the Racing Wire Podcast Network. 
I'm Dorsey Schrader, and when I'm on my way to embrace, I'll listen to the SCCA podcast Inside the Short Bus. Would you like to hear Inside the SCCA live from the runoffs? We're planning to do nine shows from the runoffs, and eight of them will be live. We'll start each race day with breakfast from the runoffs. During lunch, we'll do our version of a halftime show, and then we'll end the day with runoffs after dark. If you have a racing-related business, this is a great opportunity to reach your customers or congratulate them on getting to the big show. Maybe wish them luck. And drivers, here's your chance to thank your sponsors. Rates are reasonable. For more info, send an email to RacingWireNetwork, that's all one word, at gmail.com. If you lock in your ads by July 1st, there's a 10% discount, and we'll have that email address again in the show notes. Welcome back to Inside the SCCA. I'm Brian Belansky. Joining me on this episode is Justin Barbary. He is the uh, the guy who runs Track Night in America for SCCA. And uh, we're talking today a little bit about what track nights are and what happens and how to do them. Justin, thanks for being with us again. Thank you. So let's get to the, the nuts and bolts of doing a track night. First of all, where where are track nights typically done? So we use about 34 different tracks across the country. We've got them in all four corners in this in the, in the central part of the nation. So there's there's going to be one near you just about anywhere you live. Um, we run at some fairly big name tracks like Lime Rock and Daytona VIR. Um, but we also hit some some gems of club tracks like Carolina Motorsports Park, Nelson Ledges, Gingerman, um, and also some IndyCar tracks like Portland International and uh, NOLA. Nice. So we got options. Nice, nice. So if I am listening and I want to find an event to go to, what's the best way to do that? Well, the best place to start is obviously the website. Um, that's where you're going to find all the information that you need to get started. Um, it's tracknightinamerica.com. Nothing fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and I have to give a huge shout out to the people that uh, – set up our website and, uh, you know, did this job before I arrived on the scene. Um, they have made it extremely easy to figure out everything you need to know about how to get involved. Um, if you're on the website, there is a button right at the top that says start here. And, uh, right underneath that, it says what to expect, what to bring, need to know. Um, it's, it's kind of laid out there on a, on a nice silver platter. Um, we don't get a whole lot of questions. Um, you know, based because we've got all the information, you know, pretty nice and wrapped up with a bow in it right there. Right. But, um, you know, we also have a customer service. Uh, Jack at tracknightinamerica.com is the email address. You can email him with any questions and we try to make it as easy as possible. We're here to we're here to help. So, it, you know, we bring our our most people bring their personal cars. I don't think you allow competition cars, right? We do have a waiver system. Okay. Um, we we don't have a problem with pe- people bringing out a fully well, SCCA uh, jargon GCR legal race car. Okay. Um, what we prefer though is that that car is being driven by, as you said earlier, a crew member, right, or a family member, uh, a novice driver, that sort of stuff. Uh, we try to avoid having fully competition race driver race car drivers <laughs> uh, in their race cars. 
you know, on track with, you know, what is majority a right. streetcar event. And, and I'll be honest with anyone who would think about doing that, who is a licensed, you're going to be bored to tears. It's not the event for you. Um, so, I mean, in that, in that regard, right? It's, it's a different environment. Yeah. 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 So, it's a different environment. Yep. And that's not a bad thing, by the way. I'm, I'm not, you know, that's just the way it is built for people who are just putting their big toe in the water. So is there any cars out there? Are there any cars out there that I can't bring? So we do have some rules about convertibles. Okay. Um, typically, most of the convertibles built after 2006 uh, are okay because they have fact, some sort of factory rollover protection. Anything built before 2006 as a convertible, we would need um, an approved roll bar in. And there's uh, some verbiage on the website about what is an approved roll bar and what needs to happen there. Um, and then other things like it needs to be wider than it is tall. Right. Um, it's pretty obvious. Very, very similar to what Solo and Time Trials uh, specs is what we we have as well. So if you're familiar with or have a car that you've used in other uh, other programs like solo, it's, it's probably going to be perfectly fine for track night. So most sedans, most coupes, most hatchbacks should be fine. If you want to bring the station wagon or the SUV, that's going to have, you know, pull, you have to pull out a tape measure and, and do a little bit of checking on that. Um, exactly. And, and, you know, as the vehicles get a little bit more weird, um, you know, I always like to talk to our participants that may be thinking of bringing something like a bigger station wagon or maybe even a lower pickup truck or, or SUV or something like that. It may pass the, you know, yeah. the rollover specs, but then you have to start thinking about is that vehicle, uh, are the brakes really good enough to right. hold up for, you know, an hour's worth of track time? So there, there are some things to consider when you're talking about bringing a street vehicle out to a racetrack. But for the most part, if the vehicle's safe and, uh, you know, you've got a helmet and a driver's license. We're ready to rock. All right. So I've got a, let's say I got a hatchback. It's got a hundred thousand miles on it. I'm coming to a track night. Should I do anything before I get there? Absolutely. Um, obviously want to check the vehicle over for any major mechanical issues. Uh, like I said, we do, you know, specifically talk about brakes. There are some tracks where brakes are, uh, very hard on brakes and, you know, you're going to have an issue if you don't at least flush the fluid and make sure you've got good pads and rotors on it. Um, but for the most part, um, you know, it's just a basic safety check. The vehicles are self-teched. So we have a tech sheet that you can either print out online and do beforehand, or we hand you one at the event when you check in. And it just goes over the basic stuff for driver safety, uh, mechanical stuff, make sure your tires are in good shape, lug nuts tightened, brakes are good. Um, you know, that sort of stuff that you would see on almost any other organization's tech sheet. So. Right, right. So I have a leather helmet that I raced when I was in the 1950 Indy 500. Is that good enough for this? Don't think that one's going to no? quite pass oh. muster. Um, okay. We do have uh, uh, certain helmet certifications, and we've got that in our uh, uh, rules on the website. If you're mostly going to be safe if you have a 2010 or newer Snell helmet. Got it. Um, which is actually very similar to the solo rules. If you've got something that is that is working for the for your uh, SCCA solo club or autocross events, it will work in track night. Um, there are a couple of obscure helmets that we are still allowing, but we don't want to get too much in the details. Right, right. But uh, I have had a lot of people show up with helmets that are ECE rated. Hmm. Um, that's the European okay. rating that. 
Uh, they've become fairly cheap on the internet. Um, people are shopping online a lot now, and a lot of the online helmets are coming from overseas with this ECE rating. ECE rating. We are still allowing those until the end of this year. Got it. Okay. So if anybody has one of those, it's still good until December 31, 2022. But uh, I would like to uh, recommend people go out and find a, a newer Snell-approved right. helmet. And it used to be you could use a motorcycle-rated helmet from Snell. Is that still the case or no for this? It, it's still the case for track night. Okay. Um, once we get into um, you know road racing, you have to have the SA helmets. Right, but track right. night is is still fine with a motorcycle designation for now. Great. Um, tires, I'm guessing they don't have to be special tires, but they do have to be in good condition with a little bit of tread on them, right? Yes, we would we would like the tires to be able to last an hour on track without too much drama. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, that are familiar with autocross kind of understand what a good tire to start with is right. and what a bad tire to start with is. Um, but people that are coming to this brand new, and if the tire's got, you know, decent tread on it and uh, you're not down to where it won't pass inspection, you're going to be fine for an hour right. on track as long as you've got it properly uh, air pressured up. So, yeah, I like to tell people when you stick the, the penny in the tire, you know, you want to see most of Lincoln's head go away. Um, that's a kind of good indicator that you got enough tread on there and it should be fine. So, um, and that's good for just life in general, unless you're in Southern California where nobody puts new tires on their cars because it never rains here. And then when it does rain, the guys at the body shops get big grins on their faces because they know they're about to make a lot of money. So, <laughs> um, yeah, if you're doing, if you're doing track nights in Florida, you might want a little bit more tread. Yeah. Uh, it tends to rain it, you know, you know, all the time in Florida when we're having an event. So, so that's the next question, rain or shine, right? Rain or shine. Um, I have had to stop an event once that I have actually been running just because of rain. Okay. Um, it rained so hard one time that, you know, you couldn't see corner station to corner station, right. which is a big safety issue. And obviously, and we threw a black flag all and the drivers, you know, all came in and I've congratulated them. Hey, thanks for everybody seeing the black flag all and coming into pit road as, as you should. This was a novice uh, right. session, by the way. And they said, oh, we didn't see the flag. We couldn't see the flag stations. We just came in because we couldn't see where we were going. <laughs> I thought maybe so, one person saw it and they just followed everybody else in. No, it, it, it was uh, one of those. They went out on their out lap and yeah. first lap in, it just started pouring down rain so hard that right. uh, they couldn't see. But um, the only time we actually will shut down an event um, is for lightning, yeah. Yeah. For, for safety issues there. All right. So how does the event run? What do you, you know, typically – when you show up, there's a start time. It'll be on whenever you sign up, you'll get the start time. So, you know, how early should you be there? Be You know, let's start with that. How early should you be there? What happens when you first get to the event? So for most of our events, I would say the gates probably open, uh, you know, between, you know, 1.30, 2.30, somewhere around there. It varies a little bit depending on the track. Um, so definitely keep an eye on the, on the event schedule. But uh, get there as early as you can. Uh, so, as soon as gates open, that way you can get in the check-in line and get all that taken care of, find a nice paddock spot. Right. Um, and you get through that and you're going to have some meetings coming up. Usually, depending on the event and the schedule, they're going to be somewhere around four o'clock, maybe a little bit sooner, maybe a little bit after, depending on the group you're in. And uh, once we get done with those meetings, we're pretty much uh, in the event proper at that point. Like I said, we run in a pretty condensed schedule. So we have about four hours of track time that we're scheduled for, and we okay. run three groups through that. So uh, once we put cars on track, we try not to stop 
uh, the event until uh, it gets dark. And if I remember correctly, it's it's 20 minute sessions, right? So you're, you're getting one session per hour, essentially. Basically, yeah, you're scheduled for three 20 minute sessions per group. Uh, the okay. novice group actually gets an extra 20 minute session at the beginning of the event, which is behind a pace car. Okay. Uh, so it's pace laps for them to see the track, see the flag stations, know where the passing zones are. And then if we're on schedule and everything's going the way we hope it goes, uh, usually in the middle of the event, we'll have a 20 minute track touring lap session, okay. which is for anybody that's there. You don't have to have a helmet. You can have a passenger. Yeah. You can bring your family out. If you've got an SUV or a truck, you can drive that out there because it's behind a pace car at, at slow speeds at, just to see the track. So we do that as well during the middle of the event. So we've got a couple of things going on, but yeah. Right, right. So, um, and you mentioned a novice group. You, there's three groups. What are the three groups? So we have a novice group. Um, we have an intermediate group and an advanced group. And they are differentiated a little bit by, you know, the uh, amount of uh, you know, assistance and amount of attention they are given. Uh, the novice group has a, a, a novice coach, which is dedicated to them for the entire event. They get, uh, you know, debriefs after each session to go over everything that happened. Um, just a lot more hands on there to make sure that they're comfortable and have a great time. Uh, the intermediate group uh, is has their own coach as well, typically. And, uh, you know, they're given a little bit more rope to go out and, and enjoy it without, uh, you know, a lot of overbearing uh, oversight. And then you've got the advanced group, which if you're you know, selected into the advanced group, you're, you're pretty much a, a regular at doing track days. And uh, we're pretty hands off with the advanced group other than just monitoring the, the sessions and making sure things going OK from a safety standpoint. So got it. Got it. So. And the and, um, OK, there are some different passing rules. OK. And what are those? So sorry about that. Uh, so for the intermediate and the novice groups, it is passing only on the straightaways okay. or where we have passing zones um, for the advanced group. It is passing anywhere. But all of that for all the groups only happens with point buys. OK, so it's all point by passing. Got it. Got it. So now I, I know that there is a tremendous effort to keep these safe, but it is cars on a racetrack and things can happen. Um, if I have an incident, do I, I I call my insurance guy when I'm done and and say, hey, I need what's my deductible? <laughs> what, what What happens with that? Well, unfortunately, most of your typical auto insurance plans are not going to cover uh, a track event. Uh, the good news is we have partnered up with Haggerty. Uh, Haggerty is a, a main partner for Track Night in America to offer track day insurance. Um, so if you are looking to have some uh, some peace of mind on your car as you go out and drive it around, Haggerty is there. They give us a 30% discount um, from the rates just for being a Track Night participant. And uh, we've got the links on our website to get to it. And uh, they know us, we know them, they know exactly what, uh, what you're doing. So it's super easy to get that taken care of, even as you're standing in line at, at check-in to go ahead and, and take care of that. Cool. Cool. Uh, so you can do it right on your phone. If you, if you didn't know about it when you showed up. Yeah. I like to, I like to tell people that, uh, you know, you can, you can buy that insurance right up into the point you actually hit something, but I've never seen anybody be able to hover their finger over the button as they're sliding in <laughs> <laughs> off track to uh, make that happen. So we, we try to encourage getting it taken care of while they're standing in line before the event happens. Yeah, that would be, that's good advice. Good advice. And I've checked out the, the track night insurance and you know, it's, it's not, it's not expensive. It's not inexpensive. 
but it's, you know, when, when and there's usually a fairly big deductible. But if you're taking out your $30,000 car, it's a whole lot less money than not having it paid for at all. <laughs> right. And we do see some very nice cars show up at track nights. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen, like I said, the track that I went to, there were some run-of-the-mill, you know, regular old hatchbacks that you would think. And then there was there was a McLaren. There was a couple of Corvettes. Um, what was there? I mean, there was some nice stuff there as well. So, and, and that's the other cool part is it is kind of part car show. You know, so when you get there, you know, take some time and walk around and talk with the people about their cars. Everybody likes loves to talk about their cars. So, you know, you get to see some really good stuff there, too. Yeah, I, I do love the diversity that we see. Everything from, uh, you know, the 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 mom's sedan that uh, you, you might have just stole out of the garage to bring to the track <laughs> night all the way up to some some really high performance machines. So when 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 the young Stir shows up. Do you ask if they've had permissions from mom and dad to use the car? <laughs> well, if they're if they're under eighteen, they're going to have to have some permissions. Right. Uh, we do have a minor waiver that uh, needs to be taken care of, and and that can be taken care of online now, which has made things a lot easier. Sure. sure. Um, you know, but we do like to see you know the the younger crowd come out and and participate. I, I got started in motorsports very late, uh, especially with the car side. I was already in my you know mid twenties. Right. And, uh, you know, who knows where I'd be if I'd, uh, you know, started doing it, you know, in my late teens. Right, so. right, right. So what what is the typical, I think we've pretty much covered what, what, what your first track night's going to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the typical track night participant look like? And I'm not talking about, you know, cute or not cute, but I mean, what, what's the, the demographic? What, what, what's the, you know, what are you seeing mostly is, is the people coming out to these? Or is there no normal person to come out to a track night? Um, you know, I look at it, I look mostly at data when uh, looking at that stuff. And the the cool thing about it is we're about 50% SCCA members. Okay. So 50% of our participation is, you know, people that are already involved in SCCA. So we're already kind of aware of the club demographics there. Um, and then 50% of it are non-members okay. and it pretty much runs the gamut at that point. Um, we do, we do tend to, uh, lean a little bit more male than female, sure. which I would, I would love to, uh, to get some more female participation. I've got a lot of great, strong female coaches and event leads. Um, and I really love to, to see the female participation. I always, uh, I always joke with some of the guys that show up with their girlfriends in tow and uh, their girlfriends aren't driving. And I'll go talk to the girlfriend uh, while the guys are on track, but like, you know, you could, you can be out there too. We'd love to have you out on track as well. So, right. um, but we see, you know, all types of budgets, uh, obviously from the types of cars that show up. Sure. And, um, you know, I think that's, what's great about the program is it's not a click right. um, other than the fact that it's just people that love cars right. and cars of all types. So, yeah. And car people are car people. You know, whether you're right. at your Saturday morning coffee car show or whether you're at an IMSA race or the, you know, the runoffs or the solo nationals, car people are car people. And uh, that's why those of us who've been doing it, you know, going on 40 years, um, uh, keep coming back. You know, I've seen every car I want to see for the most part. That's not why I'm coming to the racetrack anymore. It's fun. I love the cars. Um, but those people are my family. So and uh, that's that's why I do it. But, you know, so the other question I was going to ask you is, do you folks have does the SCCA have data on the folks who come to the events who aren't SCCA members, how they're finding out about the track night events? 
So I think that the uh, the marketing and promotion is is really organic. Um, I think a lot of them have just gone word of mouth through social media. Okay. Um, I know the SCCA marketing team has done a really great job to to get some ads and stuff up on social media. We've done some YouTube videos. Um, and then we, you know, we have emails and articles that go out to our SCCA members pretty constantly, but I think the bulk of it is just, you know, people coming out, loving the events, loving the time that they're spending out there and telling other people about it. Um, it's always more fun when you got your friends involved. So, sure, sure. What, what have we not talked about that we should have? Uh, obviously our partners, um, we could not, we could not do the track night events at the price point that we're at without, you know, our partners being involved. And, um, obviously tire rack is the the biggest one, uh, involved there. They've been a huge supporter, our title sponsor for, uh, several years now, if not longer. And, uh, you know, they are the reason that our entry fees are where they're at and and what makes that so reasonable. And then we've got uh, this year specifically, we've got Haggerty, as we've already talked about, involved. And uh, Falcon has come on board uh, to do one of our uh, month promotions. Okay. And we're still working on a promotion that we're getting ready to write up. I don't have can't can't spill the details on it just yet. We're still getting the contract signed, but um, I think Hawk is going to come. Hawk uh, Breaks is going to come support a month for us too this, nice. this year. So, Well, the, I'll throw it out there since I, I know you probably don't want to. I'll, I'll throw the pitch out there. If if you're in the car biz and you, know, you want to get your name and your brand in front of enthusiasts with dollars to spend, you know, check out the, uh, you know, call the folks at SCCA.com and you can get all of their, if you go on SCA.com, you can get to the national staff and found, find the marketing team. They're the ones you got to call and uh, they'd be happy to take your check. And, uh, and, and, the, and, and I've found that the, the, the return when, when SCCA has a sponsor, they do a really good job of helping get that sponsor's information to the people who are the participants. So I, I've been on the receiving end of that, uh, and and I mean that's that's the best part of any motorsports relationship is the fact that you're going to get yourself in front of those folks. So I'll throw the pitch out there. I don't get paid to do it, and uh, I'm happy to do that. Uh, a lot of people are always afraid to make the ask, so I make the ask for them. Um, Cool. You know, can't do it without the partners and and especially at that price point, because I know what it costs to rent a racetrack for a day. It is not cheap. And I'm sure you guys get a decent deal because you're doing it at night during the week. But it's still a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. And some tracks are some tracks are more affordable than others, sure. um, you know, but we pride ourselves on being able to go to places like Daytona right. and VIR and in uh, Lime Rock, these big these big, you know, name tracks. And I don't think we could do it if it wasn't for a, you know, the partners helping us out. Um, but B also our participants, right. You know, just wanting to come out and, and do our events and drive with us. And, you know, that says a lot to the longevity of the program that we can, we can continue to put people on tracks that, you know, a lot of clubs can't afford to run. Um, and I, I talked to a lot of, of smaller track event clubs and, you know, looking like, you know, they, they just can't afford right. to rent a full day at VIR or something like that. So it's I feel very proud that that we can offer that to, to people, not yeah. just SCCA members, but also non-members who we hope one day will become SCCA members. Sure, sure. Well, Justin, thank you so much for taking some time out of your evening to sit back with us and talk about it. Uh, I, I, I love the program, and I, I, a couple times I've been able to go out and, and be part of it and, and check it out. You know, they're well-run events. People have fun. 
very I've never heard anybody complain about them. I'm sure someone does about something, but because that's our nature. But uh, but generally speaking, uh, they're pretty well received from what I understand and the people I've talked to and my experiences. And uh, I hope that uh, you know this continues to be something we do for a long time. I as well, and I really thank you. Thank you for your support on it. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of Inside the SECA. As I always tell people, if you like what you're hearing, please uh, hit the subscribe button so you can find out what the next episode's going to be. It would also be great if you'd leave a comment on social media, especially if it's a good one. If it's a bad one, leave it on someone else's podcast page. You can follow us on social media to find out who the next guests are. On Twitter, we are at RacingWireNet. There's a new Inside the SCCA every week. I'm Brian Belansky. Have yourself a fantastic weekend. Stay safe and go play with cars. I'm Abby Shear, and this is Inside the SCCA. Inside the SCCA is a presentation of the Racing Wire Podcast Network and Rural 15 Productions. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or sponsored by the Sports Car Club of America. The views expressed within are those of the host and our guests and not that of the SCCA.